Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast. This is a Guy at the Movies quick bite, a miniature episode discussing relevant news, topics, issues in the film industry a bit more in depth than on our weekly show. Today I'm joined by Ziana, aka the basic cinephile, to discuss the recent allegations of sexual assault against Ansel Elgort, star of The Fault in Our Stars, the Divergent trilogy, Baby Driver, and the upcoming West Side Story reboot. Hi, Ziana. Hi, how's it going? Oh, wonderful. You ready to for this fun conversation on a Tuesday evening? Ready as I can be to talk about this. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, before we get into that, I do, if you're listening, I want to make sure that you're aware we are going to be broaching topics that could be troubling or triggering to some. So this would be a good time to stop. Um, otherwise, you won't be missing anything else. Uh, that is the the full topic for this evening. All right. So in short, a young woman going as Gabby on Twitter took to Twitter to state that she was just under 17 years old when, in 2014, an initial contact with El Gort through social media was met with a request for nudes and a subsequent in-person meeting where the alleged sexual assault occurred. Ziana, here we are again with another case of this, right? Mm-hmm. Heard this story before. What are your initial thoughts with this one? I'm sad. That's how I always feel. I feel this way when I see any reports in the media of sexual assault. It's the same as if a friend came up to you and said that something horrible had just happened to them. I'm just, my first thought is like, another person had to go through this and that sucks. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you read the initial uh, complaint. I think it was, I believe it was written in like notes on an uh, iPhone or something, but then posted to Twitter Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't read um, the original, but I've seen the articles that had screenshots of the original, um, okay. the original speaking out. Okay. Yeah, it's just absolutely horrendous. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the what we're talking about here is a, an actor who is in a position of power um, using his, potentially, allegedly using mm-hmm. his, uh, his stance to um, solicit nudes and then uh, the potential sexual assault that happened with an individual who was underage at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we should also say that along with the complaint, there was a photo of uh, Elgort and uh, this individual that was released kind of as proof. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ansel has come out and uh, and said that this was untrue. This was unfounded. Did you see his response? I did. I what, did. Were your, what were your thoughts there? Well, um, I found it a little ironic that it was kind of being posted as his apology when he really he really didn't apologize in his nope. apology. Uh, he starts out by saying like I'm I'm upset to hear about these horrible things that are being said about me on the internet. Yep. <laughs> Any apology that starts that way, I'm just immediately like, oh, okay. <laughs> what? If, this isn't an apology. This is a defense of yourself, which of course he is entitled to defend himself and again you know this isn't something that's been proven in court or anything so innocent until proven guilty but it's just a familiar story that we've seen he's a person of power he's good looking he's successful he's charming and so he definitely has all of the access to do the things that he has been accused of so yeah or not but it's it's very (laughs) It was very likely that it happened. Yeah, I mean, and it's terrible. And we should say that there's not a uh, a legal case as of yet. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing has been filed 
Um, it, it more so is just back and forth on um, uh, on social media. But the one thing I will say, you know, something that struck me right away and coming from my experience working with individuals who uh, in a collegiate setting who may be victims of sexual assault, the response was very me centered. The, the mm -hmm. um, apology, it was, I can't believe this is being said about me. You may have read these things about me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he, he did say like it absolutely never happened but it, it kind of was one of those things like, I'm sorry if I made you feel a certain way, or I'm sorry that you felt that way, mm -hmm. which is just completely shifting the blame and very upsetting in that sense. Exactly. And he, he does technically apologize at the end. He uses the words, I'm sorry, but he's not, he's, he's saying that her version of the story is untrue, which again, he's entitled to defend himself if he wants to, but he then kind of spins this new story and says, you know, I know what, what I am guilty of is ending our consensual relationship and not speaking to her again. So kind of spinning this like gaslighting story of we were in a relationship, we both liked each other, I dumped her, and then insinuating that because he ghosted her, now she's coming out and saying all these horrible things about her. And I was appalled by that. You can, even if it, if it wasn't true and he didn't do these things, you can come forward in a respectful way and say that, you know, I disagree, this isn't what happened without then slandering her and trying to make her look crazy and media hungry and wanting all this attention. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And you can tell right away, my initial response was, uh, or initial thought was, he totally wrote that um, on his phone or whatever and posted it. So there was mm -hmm. no publicist involved who oh, no. <laughs> pr probably would have said, you need to rethink how you're saying this and yeah. probably would told would have told him not to say much, um, you know, coming from the legal perspective of what the liability is potentially down the road. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm with you. He t totally turned it around on her and it wasn't verbatim or it wasn't very mm -hmm. clear, but it was, it, it was obvious if you really dove into his words, what he was trying to insinuate there. This was payback for him not speaking with her mm -hmm. um, and kind of playing that whole, like I'm the celebrity and uh, you know, I have people that reach out to me all the time and blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And he even, um, he admits that they had a relationship. So he admits that they were together and then he admits that he was 20 years old at the time, but he doesn't say anything about her age. And I found that a little fishy, but also, so she was saying she was like 17 or under mm -hmm. 17, but in that range. And yep. he's admitting that he's 20. So I'm not sure what the age of consent is in New York where that happened. Um, but it's still, it's just, he's admitting to it being kind of shady that like there was an age difference. She was younger. Yeah. He a relationship. So even to me, I'm like, if you're not admitting that, you know, her version of the events did happen, even the version he's admitting to raises questions. Well, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, what I, one thing I really am interested in hearing, and I'm totally stealing this from um, a uh, community forum that I just recently watched, given um, certain the racial tensions in the U S especially, but also throughout um you know, throughout Philadelphia specifically was this forum. But one thing that they kept asking for was, I want your apology and then I want your action items. So let's mm -hmm. not go back and talk about everything and like do a he, he said, she said, he said, he said, she said, she said, but give me your action items. How are you going to move forward? And there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's no accountability in that apology, mm -hmm. which is the frustrating piece to me. None. He says something about like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm disgusted by my behavior, but his behavior being that he ghosted her. 
Yeah. Ghosting and sexual assault are two very different. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to apologize for. Um, but he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to move forward to be a more empathetic person. Which, which is, doesn't address anything. <laughs> no, no. And, and for someone to accuse you of sexual assault and you're just like, oh, well, moving forward, I'll try and understand what other people feel. It's like. You know where it would have been a good where it would have been a good start. It would have been a good start in that apology to start showing some empathy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not talk about yourself for two oh. paragraphs and then at the end say, "But I'm working towards being a better person." It's okay. Yeah, I. Oh, that gets me. I, I mean, there's look. I'm I'm not here to take sides on any of it, but I do think that there is a way to respond that's respectful mm-hmm. um, and understanding that you know, there's, there's an allegation out there and you have to work through that. Um, Mm -hmm. I I do not like how he responded. No, me neither. But I also don't like how most of, and I say most, but a lot of what I saw online was also negative and also um, pretty damning, or I guess attacking, I should say, not damning, um, against the accuser. Did you see these tweets back and forth? Oh my goodness. I was horrified. When when you see the tweets, I mean, literally one of them said, like, it's her fault, or she was asking for it. It's it's these um, phrases that almost feel like they should be a joke, like a satire, that you wouldn't hear someone say these things. But there we have it, screenshot proof that people are still speaking up about, uh, about people coming forth with these claims, and someone's First reaction is to say, it's your fault. Yep. Victim blaming at its finest. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of tale as old as time, um, <clears throat> which is a cavalier way of saying that, but it, it really is. It's what's always happened when an, a woman in particular has come forward mm-hmm. with a sexual assault claim, um, which really led to a lot of what we saw with the beginning of the Me Too movement, but what was uncovered that's been going on for decades, most mm-hmm. prominent of which was you know Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, um, excuse me, and I know I'm forgetting some others, uh, which is terrible that I'm forgetting them, but that's just how many there have been that have Mm -hmm. been revealed to be the monsters they truly are. Um, So yeah, so I mean, what, what do you make of those responses on on Instagram and and Twitter? I know that you and I talked a little bit and I, I was saying I think a lot of it is, you know, younger women and younger fans of Ansel's that Mm -hmm. are just like, no, he wouldn't do that. Like, I I know him. And, you know, maybe don't necessarily understand the gravity of the situation. But what what do you make of that? I think that a lot, yeah, a lot of the responses that I saw that were negative did look like they were coming from younger fans. And he has a younger fan base. So that makes sense that the people who would be coming forth to defend him would typically be younger. Um, And I think a lot of those fans are, you know, the girls with the Pinterest boards of his face and the posters on the wall. And they love him because they've seen him in these movies and they've seen him play the perfect boyfriend in A Fault in Our Stars. And they can't quite comprehend that someone wouldn't be in a situation with him where they wouldn't want to sleep with him. And I think that's where the issue comes in is you've got a lot of younger fans who are sexually attracted to him, who are thinking, wow, sleeping with a celebrity sounds great. So therefore it couldn't be rape, right? Because you have a crush on him. And I think we need more of a conversation around, you know, you can have a crush on someone, you can be in a relationship with someone, but no means no, always across the board. 
And right. you um, just because you like someone doesn't mean that they can't sexually assault you. That's very true. And I, and I also want to go back to the power differential too, and kind of explain that um, <clears throat> what we meant when we kind of mentioned that quickly here, but you know, he is a celebrity and there mm -hmm. is a certain level of, of power that comes in that um, in that scenario where a young fan or any fan would be meeting him. One is specifically you're meeting a celebrity that you may have looked up to, that you know is connected, that you know is in films. It's someone that is that, you know, they're up on a pedestal. Um, so it is very easy for, um, for coercion and uh, um, sly remarks or sly comments to lead to something that maybe you originally weren't intending. Um, and, or I, I guess you could also approach that situation where as the, uh, in this case, as the alleged victim, you're acting in a very different way than you would around anyone else because you're starstruck, you're, you're vulnerable, you're, you're seeing someone that you have looked up to for so long. Um, so that power differential, I mean, it happens in every, every situation. It happens in, you know, work situations, happens in school situations. Um, someone that has, you know, a level, a quote unquote level up on you. Um, but I, I think that's what we've seen here with a lot of different situations in, in the movie industry. I mean, when you look at Harvey Weinstein, it basically was like, you have to do this or you're not going to get that role. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is kind of a template that can be applied all across the board. Now, was there something that this, uh, the alleged victim wanted from that? Who knows? We don't, we're not down in the weeds of that or whatnot, but, um, you know, just the attention, I'm sure. I mean, like if Henry Cavill was to walk up to me right now and say that he wanted to talk, I would be starstruck. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'd also hope that he wouldn't take advantage of the situation. Yes, exactly. And I think that, um, uh, did you read her full version of what she I left did. Okay, so there were a lot of original details in there. It felt very authentic. Again, we don't know if it really happened or not, but even if that story didn't happen to her, that story has happened to tons of women and men and <laughs> everyone across the board. Um, and so it's just when you hear those stories of, you know, you're in you're in a room with someone, yeah, like you said, who has more power than you, um, someone who you're starstruck by, and things start to get a little out of hand, and you don't quite know how to stop them. Just because you didn't stop them doesn't make those sexual acts consensual. Yeah. And so I think um, the way she described it was when things were happening, she just disassociated from her body and that she just kind of waited for this horrible situation to be done. And I think that a lot of times when people think of rape or sexual assault, they picture this violent scene of someone screaming no at the top of their lungs and fighting for their life and pushing someone off of them. And, um, and a lot of times that is not what rape looks like because- nope you're in this very vulnerable, intimate situation where you don't know what to do. And we're sadly, culturally not trained for how to respond to these situations. And so I think there's a very real possibility that if those acts took place, she was viewing them as non-consensual and he might not have even been thinking about it. Cause in his mind, he's like, oh, she's not pushing me off of her. She's not, you know, screaming no. So therefore I'm not doing anything wrong, but then you have to go back to, okay, well then how do we model consent in this society? You know, you can't just, he knows he's 
good looking. He knows he's powerful. He knows he has a younger girl. He admitted those things in his apology. Uh, so therefore, flattering. Definitely use the the power that he has over someone without having to exert this physical force because he has all of this other power already. He doesn't need to to physically overpower. I think you're totally right. And one thing you brought up was the acts, right? There are mm -hmm. it's a series of acts that are alleged to have occurred here. Mm -hmm. And two pieces about consent. One is that you need active consent in any mm -hmm. situation. So the absence of a no doesn't mean yes. And the other piece of that is that consent can be withdrawn at any time. So mm -hmm. while you may be I'm not going to get into specifics, but you may be doing one act at one point that you consent to, but then it gets uncomfortable and you can withdraw that right away. Mm -hmm. It's not a blanket agreement that allows the other individual to pursue or push forward with whatever, regardless of how the individual is feeling. That's where this all comes in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, a movie that did a really good job of displaying that was Bombshell. Oh, yeah. And they were showing um, those different acts of you know several women at Fox News. And there were a lot of times where, yeah, they didn't necessarily say no, but they were actively trying to get themselves out of situations that made themselves feel uncomfortable. And doing so in a way that doesn't offend the person who's trying to, you know, use their power over them. So I think, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, like you said, the absence of a yes does not mean no or yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you need the verbal consent. You can't just assume that someone is okay with something because they're not actively trying to stop it. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, when you're talking about bombshell and you're talking about the, you know, the acts that the women were taken in that movie. Um, and again, we're talking about male to female actions here. But just to recognize for anyone that's listening that this is prevalent all across the board. Um, you know, it can be female to male, it can be male to male, female to female, mm -hmm. um, or any other identity. So the uh, what we're what we saw in bombshell was physical actions that were displaying mm -hmm. the lack of intent and the um the uh, not wanting to move forward with what was happening whether that's moving the leg lowering the skirt things mm -hmm. like that um so it, and especially for someone in a position of power and i don't i hate to say and i've caught myself saying this a lot recently with the 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 upheaval that we're seeing in society rightfully so and finally getting attention towards systemic racism but to say like in this time but mm -hmm. it's true like you ansel elgort should be more aware and should have the education and should know what he's doing and he probably did i, mm -hmm. I if it's true those individuals usually know what they're doing mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I um, I looked up some of the statistics on reports of rape. I didn't write them all down, but one that I thought was crazy, and this is coming from RAIN, which is Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. They've yep. done a ton of research on this. Uh, they said that um, that out of out of a, a thousand, okay, out of a thousand sexual assaults, four point six perpetrators will go to jail. So when you hear those statistics, it's obvious why it takes a long time for a victim to come forward and file charges against someone or even tell someone that they know about what has happened. Because uh, sadly, we live in a culture that this is not taken seriously. And it's not just for um, victims who are speaking out against incredibly high profile um, alleged abusers, but it's just, it's across the board. It's everybody. And so for, 
for us as a society to move forward, I think we have to stop this culture of victim blaming and and reading these headlines and immediately assuming that, oh, she must just be, you know, after him for his money. She wants to sue. She wants her name in the in the headlines. We have to stop that because statistically, if we just look at the numbers, that's not what's happening. Most people who report abuse are not just making it up. And of course, there are some who are, but that's not the majority. And I think a lot of times, sadly, we have these stories come out and across the board, the first response is to not believe them. And so I think we have to change that. I think we have to go with a policy almost like, you know, innocent until proven guilty. We need to give that to victims as well. They are innocent until proven guilty. If they are coming out and speaking about um, alleged abuse, we believe them until it's disproven instead of the other way around where we don't believe them. We doubt them until the very end. And then we can say, oh, okay, sorry, you were telling the truth. No, I think you're spot on with that. And I'm glad that you brought that up about the way in which uh, these cases are or are not reported because mm -hmm. historically they've been underreported. So all mm -hmm. that we know right now is just the tip of the iceberg of things that have happened for decades. Uh, and that comes from a number of different pieces or a number of different uh, reasons. The, the first being the power differentials that we talked about, mm -hmm. but also there's an embarrassment piece. Uh, mm -hmm. And what you also have heard, and especially in, you know, Ronan Farrow's reporting about Weinstein, and I, I'm, I keep bringing that up only because of how high profile it was and really well known to a lot of individuals. But uh, if you think about what was reported there, there were victims that did report it to other people that mm -hmm. did talk to people and still were not given the opportunity to, you know, or, or given the support, I should say, to go elsewhere, to go forward or for it to be addressed. Um, and that's where you start getting back into the power differentials and what that may look like. And think about a 17 year old girl at that time, um, it, you know, knowing that she potentially could be all over the newspaper, all over the, the internet. Um, it, it really, I, 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 my heart goes out to victims because that is just another level of trauma that they have to go through uh, after already being subjected to traumatic events that no one should ever be subjected to. Absolutely. I think a lot of times all they want to do is just move forward and forget about what happens and move on with their life and never have to think about this again. And so when the pressure is put on to speak out about the um, abuse or to you know, take it that step further and to report it and possibly have to testify against someone in court. You're just, you're looking at a future timeline of having to constantly relive your trauma. Yeah. And so it makes perfect sense why many victims choose to just not go through that, especially when you look at the finish line and think, wow, my chances of anything um, happening because of this are so small, do I wanna put myself through this? And especially when it's against someone who's high profile, you know that you know if, if you were to testify, you'd be going up against the best lawyers and the media frenzy surrounding this would be huge. There would be no escape from it. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right there. I think the publicity around it is enough to really deter anyone. Um, and when you read those statistics about the number of individuals that are held accountable for it, it's a numbers game where you're looking at it like, why would I even move forward with that? Why am I putting myself through that again? It's, it's absolutely terrible. So 
one thing I do want to to touch on, um, and we we talked about this a little, was there's a, there's now a debate over Ansel Elgort and uh, related to cancel culture, right? So immediately when something comes up like this or any accusation or allegation, uh, the immediate thought is that the individual shouldn't be cast in a movie or should be recast in movies. And mm-hmm. um, we saw that most recently with, I believe it was all the money in the world with uh, Kevin Spacey. He was mm-hmm. replaced with Christopher Plummer. Um, and that was really a unique way that they did that a unique situation. That they were able to accomplish that. Um, but when it comes to, you know, Ansel Elgort's next movie being next year's West side story, um, do, you, do you think that he should be recast? Should he be removed from that? What, how do they proceed? a good question. I think it gets complicated. I think the decision to recast Kevin Spacey was absolutely the right choice to make. And I know he's, he had such a history of these things happening. So for him, it would not be, you know, this, this one time, one thing happened. You can look back and see decades of abuse that um, took place and also how he would even use his roles in movies as access to get, abuse uh, victims, it, I wouldn't want my name associated with that. If I were <laughs> in charge of a studio, I would say, this is bad press. This is not somebody that we want around. Um, when it comes to Ansel Elgort, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that, just because at this point it's allegations. And while I always support victims and you know believe them until it's proven not to be true, so I, I believe her claims are true, we don't have any action that's been taken against him. And so I think for this early in the game to say, you know, for sure we're pulling his role and we're gonna reshoot everything, that seems to be jumping the gun just a little bit because there is a possibility if if there was legal action taken, they might find that that he's not guilty. And so, you know, is it, is it fair to him to have to live through that and then also have his, um, his role be taken away? I don't necessarily think that's the right move from a studio perspective. I'm with you there. It's kind of putting the cart before the horse a little mm-hmm. bit, um, not to use like a grandmotherly uh, phrase there, but um, there's, I think what we're saying here is that allegations and accusations need to be heard and alleged mm-hmm. victims need to be heard. Um, and that's what we're supporting here. That's what we're discussing. Um, and that process needs to play itself out. And if for some reason or if, if down the road we find out that the the alleged victim uh, was falsifying the claims or whatnot, then that's one thing. But if they are found to be true, then action should probably be taken. Um, but we're not there yet. We're not at that level, right? Absolutely. So. And I think moving forward, I think it would make sense if um, if he was up for a role currently and studios were debating, you know, should we cast him or cast someone else? He's got this out in the news. I would say that would be a solid reason to potentially not cast him in a future role, but to take away the role that's already happened and to go through the hassle of COVID reshoots. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> There's already so much going on and on their plates. I don't think that that would be necessary. And I never think that a project should be larger than the the, inc- the incident or the issue that's that's at the center of the turmoil here. But with especially West Side Story, you're talking about a musical production and a lot of moving parts. And oh, um, that's going to be huge. You're not just going to have possible where hey, we can just film you on the side doing your dance, and we'll just kind of photoshop you Plug in. in. Yeah. <laughs> 
this is a full cast production, that would be crazy. I'm with you there. Well, hopefully uh, we'll hear more about this in the future um, in terms of the alleged victim receiving the uh, support and the, um, I don't want to use the term attention, but at least being able to carry forth her claims. And if she moves forward with a legal uh, filing, then we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Um, but I think this is probably just the beginning of what we've heard when it comes to Ansel Elgort um, in this case. Um, and we'll hopefully reconnect down the road and talk about any more developments once they pop up. Hopefully we'll have some better news to report. That's that's very true. Ne- next time you pop on, maybe we'll discuss something really happy, like <laughs> Disney movies or something. You'll give me a happy topic next Yeah, time. happy topic. But Ziana, I really appreciate you popping on, but tell everyone where they can find you and see all the awesome stuff that you're doing. All right. So you can find me at the basic cinephile on Instagram. That's like my main account. Uh, but you can also find me at the basic cinephile on TikTok. Occasionally I post some videos on there. Um, and then also at the basic That's awesome. And are you getting into like the TikTok regular at what are they for your page dances and stuff like not yet. I'm trying. I'm trying, but I'm really feeling like my millennial showing. I'm like, oh, I turned 30 this year, and it, I have never felt older in my life. And then I go on TikTok. <laughs> it's true. But TikTok is so much fun. So I avoided it for so long, and then quarantine happened. I was like, fine, I'll download it. And I was like, this is actually a really fun app. So I don't have too much on there yet, but there's definitely more content to come. I don't do anything on it. Like I don't post anything. I just watch the videos for like hours on end. And then I'm like, Oh my God, where am I? Like, where, where did this day go? I just watched that same, like do, do, do dance or whatever it is. It's, yeah. I, I get really sucked into it. I haven't done any of the dances yet. Cause that doesn't really have anything to do with movies, but I could easily be talked into it. So <laughs> excellent. Well, hey, once again, thank you for being here. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, do the whole deal.